whoever is listening, guys, welcome back. My name is Grayson Mann, and welcome to episode 130, or part four of our Clemson football preview series. We've done Duke, we've done Florida State, and we just did Wake Forest, which dropped on Wednesday, so you should go check that out. And today, we have Steve, who works for thejuicerivals.com, and he's covering Syracuse for us for part four. Steve, how you doing, man? Welcome to the podcast. Uh, doing well, Grayson. Thank you for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, you know, I know it's July, but it's uh, there's no bad time to talk college football. Absolutely. And it's just it's getting closer and closer. This series is designed to keep people keep their appetite steady until we reach August 1st, which is Clemson's first practice, getting excited for it. So can you just walk our audience through what your role is in this with the Syracuse rivals and just what you do in general? Uh, so, I mean, I really kind of dabble mostly in recruiting. Um, you know, I, I've been I've been writing, you know, with them. Uh, we've only been with Rivals uh, for about five months now. We The site was kind of dormant for, I want to say, for probably a year. Um, you know, we discovered that in February, had the opportunity to take it over, move our site there. Uh, we were uh, the Juice Online for a long time, um, independent site, you know, built up a following um, between, so between Rivals and with the Juice Online, I've been writing for the site 10 years. Um, so in really the last, you know, I want to say like three or four years, I've really kind of focused on recruiting, uh, you know, because we've discovered, you know, I mean, people, you know, fans especially, they just love recruiting. And it's, you know, and if you, I'm sure if you, the coaches will tell you, you know, recruiting is year round. It does not end, you know, even when the season ends. Um, so, and, and that's, you know, that's how fans are. Everyone wants to know, you know, who's going to your school, you know, what's their star ranking, um, you know, so I really kind of focus on recruiting. Um, I spend a decent amount of time looking on Twitter. Uh, you know, <laughs> it seems every player out there has an account and, you know, they all like to tweet out, you know, what offers they get, um, you know, when they're taking an unofficial visit, when they're taking an official visit, when they're going to, you know, like all the special camps coaches run. Um, so, so I find a lot of those and I forward those to um, kind of the gentleman who runs our site, Charles Kang, and, uh, and that really helps him. Um, so he winds up, you know, contacting all these recruits and we really just kind of started to hammer, uh, you know, getting uh, interviews with all these kids. And that's really kind of been our bread and butter since we came to Rivals. Yeah, especially in the day of social media, I feel like the appetite for recruiting, especially where it feels like it's very immersive, at least to me, it's you're, you're following them along on their journey as they're posting it on Twitter, as you say of their top fives, their top threes, when they're going to commit. You can live stream some of these. Yeah. It's almost like a big event, like you're watching a movie for certain programs because some of these guys are going to be program changing. So it's really special, this specific area of football. So for you, how has recruiting carried over into what I would say is the spring? And what we like to do with this series, we I want to get your impression of how Syracuse or maybe what you've been hearing about how Syracuse has looked in the spring as they look forward to 2023. Well, you know, spring was spring ball was really interesting for them. Um, you know, I mean, as everyone's aware, you know, the transfer portal has kind of really changed the game here. Uh, you know, so spring, so uh, you know, a few different aspects. Uh, they had a lot of coaching turnover. Probably half their staff left, uh, including the gentleman who is considered their ace recruiter. He's a guy named Nick Monroe. Um, he's originally from Minnesota. Uh, and, you know, ironically, they played Minnesota in the bowl game um, and Nick got a chance to join the Minnesota coaching staff. And, you know, he, you know, no one, 
you know, no one, no Syracuse fan wanted to see him go because if there was, you know, he kind of pursued all like the the biggest names they went after. Um, you know, his his nickname was the Swag Daddy. You know, and he was he's a fun guy to follow on Twitter. Um, so it was really kind of a big blow to them when he went. You know, he wanted to go home, and you know, you can't blame a guy for that. Um, but they, but yeah, you got to give Babers credit. He he really revamped the staff and he brought in some really good recruiters. Uh, namely, he um, a guy named uh, Ninzo Campanile, who's uh, he's from New Jersey, um, kind of like one of the preeminent football families down there. His brother, uh, Nunzio, uh, used to be on this Rutgers staff. I know, I think his brother might have been on the Rutgers staff at one point. His brother's, I believe, an NFL coach now. His dad was a, a longtime um, high school football coach there. Um, in the past few years, Syracuse has made an effort to really get back into New Jersey, where uh, you know, a couple of decades ago, they used to own the state. Um, and then, you know, once uh, Paul Pascaloni um, was relieved of his duties, they kind of had a big fall off and kind of lost their way in New Jersey. Um, so so they really made some inroads in there. Um, and then when you look at the, the players that they lost from last year's team, um, so kind of the big four losses they had were uh, their left tackle, Matthew Bertrand, he was drafted in the second round. Uh, their top cornerback, Eric Williams, I think he was drafted in the third round. Um, and then their best linebacker, uh, Mikel Jones um, and Sean Tucker, who, you know, I mean, everyone knows who Sean Tucker <laughs> is. Um, apparently he he went undrafted, which was surprising at the time, but it turns out he had some medical issue. And I think that's why teams stayed away from him. Um, but but and I know uh, Mikel and Sean both signed uh you know, uh, undrafted contract. So, you know, so those four, those four guys are trying to find their way in the NFL now. And, you know, so they had to replace those guys. And then, you know, you get back to the transfer portal. Um, Syracuse runs a three, three, five defense in their Their calling card the past couple of years has really been the secondary. Well, uh, two of their best remaining guys, Deuce Chestnut and Jihad Carter, uh, they both sought greener pastures through the portal. Um, Deuce transferred to LSU and uh, Jihad transferred to Ohio State. I mean, so those are two massive blows right there. Um, and then going into the spring, um, Garrett, after once the season was over, Garrett Schrader had off-season surgery. Uh, I think it was on his throwing arm. So, um, so he didn't, you know, he was completely out of the spring. So that left um, most of the quarterback snaps to the two backups, uh, uh, Carlos Del Rio Wilson and Justin Lamson. Um, so when you combine all that, you know, together, they had a really <laughs> interesting spring um, and they came out of it. You know, it really gave those two guys, uh, you know, th there's no secret, you know, you know, that Schrader is going to be the guy, you know, going into his senior season. Um, but both um, both Del Rio Wilson and Lampson each kind of showed uh, flashes at one point. Lampson suffered a, a season ender, I believe, last summer in Mrs. past year. Um so he went in once the spring was over, he wound up transferring. So he hopped in the portal and he's he's at Stanford now. Um, but then uh, Babers struck back with the portal and they uh, got a kid named uh, Braden Davis out of out of South Carolina. So, you know, so Syracuse's quarterback room now is three guys who they all got through the uh, transfer and they were all came from SEC programs. You know, so they're, I don't want to say they're stacked at, at quarterback, but they're, they're in a much better position than they were uh, a few years ago. So, 
Um, so yeah, it's, it's been an interesting spring to see how you know how yeah. they're gonna you know fill the voids of of those important players. Uh, how you know kind of the the guys who are backups in the secondary how they're gonna fill you know the roles left behind by Chestnut and Carter, um, and you know and who's gonna wind up being the backup to Schrader. You know, uh, you know Schrader runs a lot. You know, he's a, he's a big guy, and you know when he you know, he, you try to tackle him, you know, you're going to, you're going to feel it too, you know, but he's, you know, susceptible to injury. So they need a viable backup in that role too. So uh, it's a very, very interesting spring. Yeah. A lot of turnover for sure. And I think when you look at what the college football landscape looks like, I think Syracuse, the way you kind of described it, it sums it up perfectly. There's a lot of change. There's a lot of turnover. So how these teams respond to that is going to be very telling. But for a second, let's rewind to 2022 because when you Clemson's square in the middle in this schedule and you go you start six and oh and then you finish seven and six and go to a bowl game, but it feels like two different seasons, especially when you have a very wacky, a very some would say controversial Clemson game. What in your mind as you're watching that team, what went wrong there? Was there injuries that people weren't talking about? Was it just that the schedule got significantly more difficult? Walk us through what that was like for Babers. Yeah, sure. It, uh, I mean, like you said, it really was kind of uh, like two separate seasons. You know, I mean, going into last year, you know, Dino was under a lot of pressure. You know, got to make a bowl game. And, uh, you know, the first six games, uh, you know, they, they, you know, went six and up. And, you know, the, you know, a couple of the coaches, you know, after they won the the sixth game, you know, they were, you know, they were tweeting, you know, one of them tweeted, you know, something the effects of, you know, bowl eligible, you know, something along those lines. So they're undefeated. They've got a bowl game, you know, no matter what happens, you know, and then really two things kind of, you know, sent them on the way of, you know, of a five game losing streak. The schedule got significantly hard. You know, and so their first six games were Louisville at UConn uh, at home versus Purdue, which is a fantastic game. They won that mm-hmm. in the last seven seconds um, at home versus Virginia, uh, uh, you know, a throwaway game versus uh, F- FCS Wagner. Um, and then and then a good game against a good NC State team. So then the schedule, they went to Clemson, you know, which which was a grind. Um, they came home. Uh, to play Notre Dame um, and Garrett Schrader got hurt in that game. He missed the second half. Um, and then they went to Pittsburgh, which uh, Pittsburgh has given them fits for about 15 years now. Lost there, came home. They got waxed by Florida State, which, you know, it's, it seems like Florida State is, you know, are, are, they, are they back, you know, to be in Florida State? If they're not back, they're just about there. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think this season will tell us a lot. Um, and then they traveled to Wake Forest where, you know, where they lost a, a 45-35 shootout. You know, lo- you know, a lot of teams lost, uh, you know, shootouts to Wake Forest with Sam Hartman, you know. Um, but, you know, I kind of did a little math today earlier. On those five losses, um, their, their opponents finished the season a combined 47 and 19. You know, so that's, uh, you know, over nine, you know, an average of over nine wins a game on those five teams that beat them. Um, now, like I said, uh, Schrader missed the second half of the Notre Dame game, and he missed all of the Pittsburgh game because of the injury, you know, and the offense really slowed down in the Pittsburgh game. I mean, they lost 19 to nine. They got, you know, three field goals, um, you know, and then the last game of the regular season, they rebounded. They won at Boston College. 
uh, and you know, and that to close out at seven and five, and uh, you know, and and lost the bowl game to Minnesota. So um, now, kind of the other compounding factor in this is is they suffered a handful of season-ending injuries. Um, as I mentioned, their defense is a three-three-five. So going into last season, uh, their three starting defensive linemen, you know, they they all graduated, so they were really young on the defensive line. And they suffered a few injuries there, uh, including to uh, Terry Lockett, who was their kind of biggest, strongest, most experienced guy. And he was a real run stopper, you know, so um, so they became really susceptible to teams that could run the ball. Uh, you know, Clemson and Shipley, uh, Notre Dame ran all over. Them. You know, Pittsburgh has been a running team for for years, um, you know, uh, you know, if, if Florida State, you know, their their quarterback, you know, he can really run. Um, you know, so that was, you know, when you combine the injuries with just a, a significant upgrade in quality of opponent, um, you know, that's really kind of, you know, how they wound up where they finished. Yeah, and it felt like going into that Syracuse game, especially going into Death Valley, given all the circumstances, they gave Clemson their best shot. And it came down to a final drive, KJ Henry sacks Garrett Trader, uh, and that's about what did it. And it felt like, hey, this team's not too far off from being really one of the more improved teams within this conference, and they just start to fall apart, like you mentioned. So how does Syracuse look at this from the job security of Dino Baber? Because you, as you said, it, the pressure was on for him last year to make a bowl game. Where did, What does he have to do necessarily to say that he's worthy of at least another year or maybe an extension with Syracuse's program? Well, now, now one thing with, you know, with being a private school, um, you know, they're not obligated to, you know, release their financials. So it's kind of somewhat of a big secret as to, you know, what Babers makes and, uh, you know, how many years he has left on his contract. Um, I believe he got an extension a couple of years ago. Um, I think the extension was rumored supposed to be for like four years or, or there's, you know, somewhere along those lines. So, um, you know, and, you know, they, they don't have, you know, the finances that, that a lot of other schools have. So it's not like they can just kind of, you know, cut bait with a coach if, you know, if, if after three years, things aren't going well, they just can't, you know, go back to the well and start over, you know, so, and, and, and that's kind of reflective in, in how they recruit too. They really have to uh, develop in terms of their players, um, you know, and, you know, coaches might get a little longer leash. Um, you know, at, at a school like Syracuse, just because of the financials. So, so you know, it seems like Baber's job security is, you know, always a, a preseason topic of conversation. I'm sure he's tired of hearing about it. And, you know, it does, you know, kind of get a little boring, um, you know, talking about it, because it seems like the same old thing every year. Um, you know, last year certainly helped. Uh, you know, I think it took a lot of, uh, you know, pressure off him, you know, finished with a winning season, got to a bowl game. You know, I, I mean, certainly no one liked the five-game losing streak. You know, they it seemed like they did have Clemson on the ropes there. They had an 11-point lead on the road at Death Valley. You know, not a lot of teams do that. Uh, that was certainly a disheartening win or uh, or, or loss there. Um, you know, a couple other of those games, you know, a couple plays here and there, especially against Wake Forest, uh, you know, they could have had that one. Um, so, it, you know, I don't... I kind of think the bottom would have to fall out this year for, you know, in by, by, I mean, like, you know, four and eight, you know, something like that, um, you know, for the, for uh, the administration to decide, you know, that they're going to make a change, um, you know, just kind of looking at the schedule with what they have. I really just kind of don't see that happening. Um, 
uh, you know, I mean, uh, you know, out of conference, they've got Colgate, Western Michigan, uh, a return game against Purdue, um, you know, that in a, is at Purdue, that'll be interesting, but Purdue's got a, a new coach, new starting quarterback, uh, and then they host Army, um, you know, but then the schedule, once they get into the ACC games, uh, th this is how their first three, or actually four ACC games start. They host Clemson. A week later, they go to North Carolina, you know, Drake May. Hmm. And a week after that, they go to Florida State, you know, who's, you know, it's now this year is kind of like, well, is Florida State, are they going to step right up? And is it going to be them versus Clemson for, you know, ACC supremacy? Um, you know, so then after those three games, you know, then they go to, they get, they get a bye week uh, and then they go to Virginia Tech, which is, you it's know, they're, easy. yeah, yeah, that, that's, you know, that's a diff difficult venue to play. You know, they're certainly not what they were, you know, in the, you know, the Michael Vick years, but it's, it's a difficult, you know, that's no easy road trip. Um, you know, and that's their first four games. <laughs> so, I mean, are they, you know, are they looking at starting the ACC, you know, one and three? Uh, you know, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's, you know, then they close three of their four games are at home. They close uh, home versus BC. Uh, well, home versus Pitt. That game's actually going to be in Yankee Stadium, which. Uh, oh, nice. That's cool. Yeah. yeah no. Oh, well, yeah, it, it has some, you know, some charm to it. No Syracuse fan is happy about that <laughs> because because it was just, uh, you know, the the game, they, they play Pitt every year. Is there like one of the crossovers? Um, in this game is this is the home Syracuse game. So supposed game is supposed to be in the dome, you know, which is you know a lot more difficult to play. And you know, you know, honestly, who wants to play in in a baseball stadium? Um, you know, so so fans fans aren't too happy that one of their home games is is in the Bronx. There, um, they visit Georgia Tech, and then they close the season uh, home against Wake Forest. You know, so but but between the you know between the out of conference schedule. Uh, in you know, kind of the back end of the schedule, there, there really should be six to seven wins in there, you know, to at least, uh, you know, get bowl eligibility, you know, potentially finish with another win, another winning record, and and kind of keep you know the momentum that they built last year. Um, recruiting is actually going really well for them. They uh, um, in in the month of June they scored twelve commits. You know, they had four going in there. Um, you know, they're at, they're with sixteen recruits right now and um if you look at the rivals you know rankings and you know granted rankings are subjective and you know a lot of teams you know don't have their full allotment yet but uh you know last i checked they were somewhere around like 35 or 36 you know in the overall rankings which is significantly much higher than than they finish you know so they're they're targeting their guys they're getting their guys um they've got six kids out of new jersey that's the most of of any school in the country so far um, they've got a, uh, a quarterback commit, uh, Jakari Williams, who was previously committed to Georgia Tech. He decommitted. Um, he's three-star on Rivals. I think he's four-star on a couple other sites. Um, you know, so the recruiting's going quite well for them. You know, so they have a lot of, uh, you know, positives going in their direction. You know, you know, how will that translate into the season? You know, that's, that's why they play the game. So we'll find out. Yeah, and I think that's interesting with everything that you laid it out. And this is one of the big pictures that this series offers throughout this this 10-part episode the interview series is a big picture on how do we define success for certain programs. And 
stuff like you mentioned, how this program may have not have as much funding as a Florida State or a Clemson. And we are talking about this with Connor, with Wake Forest, is that, hey, this is a program that isn't, yeah, they, they would love to win the ACC, but if they go eight and five or they, they finish that in that territory, it's a great season. So with everything that you've laid out, with the circumstances that face Syracuse in 2023, how can this program or how does this program define success moving forward? I think you got to keep the momentum from uh, from last season, and and that's that's two things. I mean, for, first and foremost, it's, it's you know bowl game. You know, you got to get back to you know back to back years with the bowl game. Um, you know, a lot of you know they played in the pinstripe last year. They've played in the pinstripe. I think that's the third time they've played in the pinstripe. You know, it's you know Yankee Stadium in uh, late December. You know, in the Northeast, not exactly a desirable location, but. You know, for a school from upstate New York, you know, it, it it kind of is. They've got a lot of alumni in the New York City area, you know, so it's a chance for them to see it. Um, you know, and then ideally, you know, you want to have a winning record. You know, I mean, you know, six and six will get you to a bowl game, but you know, I think I think at the very least they want to repeat seven and five, you know, you know, get to get to eight and four, you know, you know, maybe one of those games they you know, first, you know, they're home versus Clemson, you know, at Carolina, you know, maybe they put it all together that game, they they steal a win, you know, and maybe nine and, you know, I don't know. Um, you know, but they definitely have to, you know, kind of match last year, at least in terms of getting to a bowl game, you know, because, you know, with the bowl game, you get those extra practices. And, you know, for, you know, for a school that depends on developing a lot of their players, you know, they don't, they don't recruit, you know, the way schools like Clemson and Florida State do, where you can, you know, you're going to get a lot of kids who are going to start their freshman year, you know, so those extra practices, uh, you know, they really help the whole development process, you know, yeah, so I think, I think it's really about, to, to those are the two keys for a successful season, you got to keep the momentum going, winning record in another bowl game is a way to do that. Yeah, I think winning a bowl game also, I, I believe also the program benefits from just appearing in one of these sponsored bowl games and it helps contribute towards the program. So it's another positive that Syracuse can receive if they uh, oh, yeah. can win six games, which is always important. And it's just being in that preseason, being in that extra spotlight for football. And then I think something that we're going to segue into this final uh, topic for this this interview is what's really unique about Syracuse that the other 10 interviews may not have is that the last six meetings for Clemson and Syracuse have been as I would describe them as wacky. And so you have, you started in 2017 with Kelly Bryant. He ends up, I believe it was concussion. Syracuse beats upsets Clemson. It's their one loss going into the playoff. And since then it has been 2018. Trevor Lawrence goes down and Chase Bryce has to beat Syracuse 2019 and 2020 are the outliers in this, but then 2021 Clemson is barely able to escape out of Syracuse off of a missed field goal. And then we have last year where, Cade Klubnik replaces DJ Uyunglele, doesn't do much, but takes care of the football and Clemson's run game makes the difference against Syracuse. For you, when I lay it all out like that, what has it really been about Syracuse that always seems to give Clemson a little trouble? Or maybe and I, when I talk to Clemson fans, especially when it's at Syracuse marked on the calendar, they get a little nervous. They tense up. They're like, oh, at Syracuse. We, we've seen this story before. What is it about Syracuse, and especially since Babers has been there, that's given Clemson trouble? Um, you know, I, uh, I, I, I wish I knew, you know, and, you know, <laughs> I'll bet Dino wishes he knew if he, you know, if he, I'm sure he'd like to bottle it and, you know, and, and unleash that in every other game. 
Um, you know, I, I'm sure part of it is, you, you know, you know, for some time now, you know, Clemson is, you know, kind of kicked Florida State, you know, off the perch there of being, you know, the team in the ACC, you know, uh, you know, Dick Vitale likes to say that, you know, Duke gets everyone's best shot in hoops, you know, well, you know, in ACC play, Clemson gets everyone's best shot, you know, when, you know, the kids on Syracuse, you know, they're, they're competitors, just like, you know, the Clemson kids are, and, I'm sure, you know, they get up for that game, especially when they did, you know, on a Friday night in the Dome, you know, they kind of out of nowhere, you know, surprised Clemson. Uh, you know, I remember watching that game and just kind of like, wow, what is going on here? You know, um, that's a game you kind of think they're going to get whacked, you know, um, and they, I, I think one thing that does help uh, is is this 3-3-5 defense that, that they play and it helps against, um, you know, bigger, stronger, faster teams, teams that ha might have more depth because the, the five defensive back, it's, it, you know, it lets them get some of their athletes on the field. You know, I think back to last year, you know, you know, they're really going to miss Jihad Carter. He, he had an interception in that game and, and he, he ran the fumble back 90 yards for a touchdown, you know? So he, he was a big reason that they had that 11 point lead, you know, it's, they can, they can unleash guys like that. Um, and just kind of let their, you know, their playmaking ability and natural talent take over, you know, where they, um, you know, where they kind of run into trouble is, you know, is, is, is in the trenches, you know, the, uh, the, the, the game, the, um, I can't remember his name, uh, uh, Bryce, um, the, the quarterback there when they, when they completed what the, the touchdown pass with like, um, you know, a minute to go or so, um, you know, the game in Clemson. Um, you know, Syracuse basically had that game won, you know, but Clemson, you know, they ran the ball down their throats on that final drive, um, you know, and it's just they, you know, a lot of times they wind up getting overpowered by, you know, teams like Clemson, you know, with the, you know, bigger, stronger defensive lines and, and offensive lines, you know, that's, you know, the trenches is kind of, you know, what separates, um, you know, the great teams from the good teams. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, it seems like it should be a good game this year. You know, it's in Syracuse. Uh, you know, the Dome, get it, when the fans are into it, gets very loud. You know, so, you know, Clemson be well served to, you know, jump out to a 14-point lead. But, you know, who knows? Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I think who knows, who knows is the, is the statement of the, of the podcast for at least this, this matchup is that I can never tell. It's either going to be in 2019-20 where Clemson's able to take care of business or, it's one of your college football classics where it comes down to a final pass, a final rush, a final sack. These, these games are fun at the bottom, at the end of it. They are very interesting when you look at the calendar. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially, you know, with, with the Clemson game, you know, I mean, I can honestly say, you know, no, I mean, nothing would surprise me, you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. if, you know, if, if Clemson, you know, if they, they stomped on them, uh, you know, Clemson does that to a lot of teams. You know, so, you know, that wouldn't surprise me, but just given the way these teams have gone at it the past six years, you know, if, you know, if it winds up being a, you know, 28, 27 game and, you know, someone's got the ball, you know, on the 30 yard line with a minute to go, you know, that wouldn't surprise me either. Yeah. And the final question before we uh, wrap up is every episode that we do in this football preview series is that we, I think the unique thing is that, yeah, I have my perspective on Clemson and I had talked to, people that I work with and students at, at school, what are, what are their thoughts on Clemson? You normally hear about the same thing every now and then, but in this three parts, this continuous series that we've done so far is we get the perspective from you guys. And for you, 
Clemson's lost six games in the last two seasons. It hasn't been necessarily, and I, for my spot of violence, I'm putting this in quotes, the same Clemson that we've seen from 15 to 20 that won two national championships, won 29 straight games. Where in your mind is this program headed? They just hired Garrett Riley in January. I say just like they just did it yesterday, but they hired Garrett Riley this offseason in January. They made a splash. Dabo made a big move that not everybody expected him to make necessarily, especially with the in-house promotions that were made the previous offseason with Streeter and Goodwin. Where is this program headed in your eyes, and what do they need to do to get back to that playoff stature? Well, I mean, I think you touched upon the big thing. Um, it, you know, I mean, they, you know, since since Dabo took over, uh, I mean, they've really elevated, and you know, they've just gone from, you know, you know, kind of eight, you know, I want to say ACC also ran, but you know, decent, you know, team to just, you know, the the elite who can play with anyone, uh, it, you know, and 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 they recruit like that, you know, so. So I, I think, you know, I think their defense is going to be, you know, what you would expect from a Clemson defense. You know, you're going to, you know, you score points against Clemson, you're going to earn it. Um, but, you know, but like you said, the hiring of, of Garrett Riley, you know, to kind of, you know, reignite an offense here. I mean, they were, you know, they were only, you know, 66 last year in, uh, you know, in, in terms of, uh, you know, national passing. Um, you know, you know, that really unlike them and, you know, but let's see what, uh, you know, what Cade, you know, Klubnik does, um, you know, and, and they bring back Will Shipley, you know, I mean, you have, you know, 15, you know, Russian touchdowns. I mean, the guy's a machine, you know, I think, uh, you know, a lot of teams would like to have a, you know, player with, you know, you know, three quarters of the talent that Shipley has, um, you know, so it's really gonna, it's really gonna be interesting to see, you know, with, you know, you know, Klubnik's, you know, he's gonna have the full season under his belt, you know, how's he playing, you know, in September, you know, and then how's he, you know, looking in November? Is he really going to, you know, take control of the offense? Uh, you know, is Riley going to help restore the passing game and, you know, kind of bring them back to, you know, a Clemson team that can, you know, hang 45 points without, you know, breaking much of a sweat? So I, I think, you know, they, it seems like they've got players on the offensive side of the ball. Um, you know, it's, I just think it's going to be fascinating to see you know, how does a, a, a team of, of this stature, you know, making that big of a change, you know, you know, how, how does it play out? Um, you know, from, from this end, I'm sure they'll be fine. You know, that's, you know, maybe, you know, if they only win nine games, you know, that might be a, you know, little, you know, bit of a disappointment, but um, uh, I'm sure Clemson is going to be, you know, the, the, the road to the ACC title is going to go through Clemson and, you know, that's, you know, like it does every year. Yeah, and we'll see if they can repeat as ACC champions and kind of that would be, I guess, the first mark of that return from not being in the ACC championship 21. It, it feels like this is the the telling year is whether these last two years are going to be a bug in the system or an actual feature is what I like to characterize it as. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, in as much, you know, NFL talent as, as, as they produce, you know, I mean, it's it's hard to recruit at that level where you are constantly – it, you know, you know, trying to replace NFL talent, it, it, you know, I mean, you know, Bama lost twice last year, you know, and people are like, oh, you know, the sky's falling, they missed the playoffs, <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, looking at, you know, college basketball, you know, Kentucky's had, you know, kind of a, a, a rough few seasons, given the way Calipari recruits and the way they, you know, put kids in the NBA. So, I mean, you know, maybe last year is a bit of an anomaly. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think DJ turned out to be what people thought he would at the quarterback position. 
And, you know, you know, quarterback is, you know, especially with the way football is played nowadays, you know, you've got to have an ace at quarterback. I mean, because that's the guy driving the bus, you know, and if you really don't have something special there, um, you know, you're not going to be able to, you know, compete at the level that, you know, a team like Clemson is used to competing at. So, um, you know, I kind of, yeah, I, I like Lubnick's chances for, you know, kind of returning, you know, Clemson to that elite status. He, he looks like he's ready to. Yeah, and we'll find out starting August 1st. Guys, this was Steve Auger of The Juice Online, Syracuse Rivals writer. Steve, do you have any final thoughts before we wrap up? Uh, no, I just want to say thanks for having me. Uh, it was a great time. Um, you know, I'd, I'd love to do this again during the season if you want. Um, you know, m- more than welcome to to talk some hoops, you know, when basketball season rolls around. So just, just give me a holler. Yeah, absolutely. And if you guys liked what Steve had to say, you let me know down in the comments below or shoot me a personal DM on any of the social medias I have posted below. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in to episode 130 of the Man with the Plan podcast. Next week, we hope to have episode 131 and 132 or parts five and six featuring Miami and NC State of the Rivals branch. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great day and take care. 